Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, October the 6th. This is episode number 167. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Jeff, how are things going? Hey, Rod, they're going great. We uh, we added granddaughter number, number well, grandchild number four, granddaughter number three this week. So it's been it's been pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to be a, a great uncle again. <laughs> Anytime I can call myself great, you know. Um, yeah. You know, without feeling silly about it, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah, very cool, very cool stuff. So, um, we're gonna have some fun tonight. We have we have uh, uh, Shags with us from from uh, Bessemer Saints. Um, Shags, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, doing great on the parking lot of the Beachland. Hey, congratulations on the new grandkid. Well, I got you. three of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know that, I know what a blessing that is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm on the parking lot of the Beachland. Um, Bessemer Saints drummer Grape was playing bass for his other band, Alasia, tonight. So I came out and uh, went, went, had a look at him. You know, so it's a beautiful night in Cleveland. There's heavy metal in the ballroom. There's bluegrass in the tavern. You can't beat it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, so Shags, um, people can find, uh, can find you guys uh, on Twitter. And I did not write your account down. What, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the, oh, uh, the at name is at yeah, Myron yeah. uncle. Okay. M Y R O N U N C L E. Um, I, I, I thought I made it that way before we actually had the name Bessemer saints and I never learned how to change it. <laughs> we can so talk later about it's, that. Okay. it's, it's been my, it's been Myron uncle ever since. <laughs> I mean, we can talk later about that, Shags. Okay. Yeah. I'll get you. I'll get you hooked up. Okay. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So, so no problem. I was going to ask you where that came from, but that's beside the point. So, uh, but yeah. Yeah. I can, well, I can help you try to get it closer to the name of the band if you want to do that. So, so yeah. One of the uh, one of the prospective names I had was Uncle Myron. There's a whole big backstory behind that, which I won't bore your listeners with, but I thought Uncle Myron would be really cool. And when I when I put it when I inputted it into the uh, into Twitter for the account, it flipped it around and made it Myron Uncle. Nice. I don't know why it did that. So I just kind of OK, I just kind of rode with it. <laughs> yeah. So I have to ask where the name where the actual name came from, Bessemer Saints. Can you can you give us um, can you give us that story? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, it has to do with the with, with the with the people that we are. We are four guys that have been around the heavy metal scene in Cleveland for pro- for probably a good 10, 15 years, if not longer. Me, I've been around 20, 20 some years. And uh, Bessemer is the name of a steel making process, like the original steel making process. Mm-hmm. So the Bessemer is a kind of nod to our metal roots and the Saints is a kind of a nod to our age. We range in age from about 35 to about, well, I just turned 54. So, <laughs> you know, kids, we're a little man. bit older, we're a little bit older guys. And, you know, but we still do the, we, we still do some of the heavy stuff, but primarily we're into fun rock and roll. That's what we do now. Nice. Nice. So before yeah. I ask you a couple other questions, let's get some promos out because you guys are going to be playing somewhere soon. Yes, we are going back to, a place which is very important in our history. There's a little, there's a brewery out in Lorraine called Bascule Brewery up on 611. And uh, we actually partially formed there. That's where we got our singer from. Uh, we are going back there on October 28th, which is a Friday night, to play like a two-hour set and help them drink the last of their Paranorm Ale, which is fantastic stuff. Um, we, we, we haven't done a concert in probably about six weeks because we needed some time off. <laughs> we did five shows in a month between mid, mid August and mid September. And this will be the first show that we're doing since then. Probably bring out some new things, things like that, but it's Bascule Brewery on route 611 in Lorraine, October 28th, Friday, 8 PM will cost you nada to get in. It's just come in by the beers. That's pretty much it for right now. Hey guys, if you're not familiar with with the music of the Bessemer Saints, you need to 
you need to give it a listen. And you need to check these guys out if you're some of my rocker friends, okay? So um, support these guys. Um, support your local <laughs> Cleveland rockers and go out and check these guys out. So Yeah, um, you don't even have to be an expert. You don't have to be like, you know, the, the guy who, who knows the things that are like the coolest right at the minute. We're old timer. We're kind of old time rock and roll. It's fun stuff. You know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be an expert to dig it. You'll, you'll recognize it right away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you describe it as, uh, I think on your, uh, on the Twitter account, or maybe, maybe this was, um, um, maybe, I, maybe I saw this as a description on the album. I'm not sure, but it's, um, as a, a bluesy rock to me, it's, to me, it's kind of rock with maybe some blues, influences um but i mean it's you know it's not uh, it's not heavy metal but it's definitely like good old-fashioned rock and roll to me yeah i mean the the influences that i drew from primarily we drew from are are like the old aerosmith old uh, ufo um old uh, humble pie stuff like that you know it was back when hard rock was actually a thing one of the problems that like the 21st century created was that the idea of hard rock kind of disappeared. Everything had to be metal or extreme metal or extreme dance or extreme this or extreme that. And like the, the whole concept of hard rock just kind of faded away and we're trying to bring it back. Yeah. Well, everybody should be supporting you guys and uh, love the music and uh, real Happy to be talking to you, Shag. So, uh, so um, let's. Uh, uh, Glad to be here. Um, you, you guys just have the one album out, right? Correct. Uh, the album's called "This Is BS," and I love the name. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> hey, you gotta own the joke before everybody else does. Oh man, that's great. You yeah. know, people are gonna make that BS joke anyway so you might as well grab it first and hold on to it yeah that's just perfect man oh yeah so um so shags let's talk about uh, let's talk about what we're drinking are, are you do you have a beer with you oh yeah uh, I, I brought me a narragansett i'm sorry narragansett is uh, it's called narragansett oh yeah i know exactly what you're talking about yeah yeah it, the story behind the, the story behind that is when we were making this is BS. There's a little convenience store not too far from the studio where we were doing it out in Avon, and uh, they had really really good fried chicken. And I grabbed a six of this Narragansett to to bring with it so we could have some lunch. And I just and I I took it back there, and the producer uh, Noah Buchanan was like, "Oh God, that stuff's terrible," but like I started drinking it and we and loved it immediately. It's kind of like the old man beer for uh, for like the East Coast, you know, like Blatz or Schlitz was here in Cleveland, I don't know, 35, 40 years ago. That's what Gansett is to Boston, if that makes yeah. any sense. It, it tastes good, though. It, it's it's yeah. not, I mean, it's a it's a it's an inexpensive beer. It's got a good flavor to it. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like twenty dollars for for a 30 pack suitcase. You know, and like you can drink it like most of the afternoon or most of the day and it won't like you, you won't be too hammered to be to accomplish anything. You know, it's not one of those 11 percent, you know, monster ales. Yeah. So like you know, it's a good drive. Yeah, it's a good driveway beer. You know, when you're hanging out in the driveway grilling and stuff like that. Yeah. And speaking of those monster ales, I'm drinking a, a Victory Golden Milky. It's a nine and a half percent. So, Ooh, um, yeah, that, it, that'll hitch upside it. <laughs> have you had one of these though? It, it's um, it's nine and a half percent, but it it's got a great flavor to it. And I've, I mean, I've I've had this on the show many times. Um, it's just a real good beer. I just when I drink this, I'm not drinking this with the intention of drinking probably more than one. You know, so yeah, um, it, it's just got yeah, a good I, Belgian flavor to it. Um, you know, I'll who feel makes it after it? one. Um, victory victory okay yeah. i may have had it because there, there's a real good uh there's a real good beverage store down here in this neighborhood called uh, mcbill's and they have all kinds of you know ipas and microbrews and like foreign foreign beers and things like that that's where i get my yeah. gansett from yeah if, um, if you like belgian stuff 
this this is a really it's got a good flavor too because some beers that are ten percent they just have they just taste like they're ten percent and I really don't yeah they're, they're, they're malt liquor you know yeah yeah they're, they they got that they got that old English uh, overtone to them right this this is this is more Belgian and it's you know it's got some spices in it but it's not overdone and it's it's got a good flavor. I drink it because of the flavor. I don't drink it because of the alcohol content. Yeah. You know, it just happens to be have a high alcohol content. So yeah. Um, so be it. Which is convenient. <laughs> yeah, it saves saves me a trip to the fridge. So yeah. You know, because I can that's what I that, said too. That's what we like about uh Baskill's Paranorm ale too. It's a sweet potato, it's a sweet potato ale. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really really flavorful and tasty. The only problem is the only problem that I had last time was they served it in a glass with sugar around the rim, and I didn't know it. So I picked the glass up and and, and drank from it, and I realized that my fret hand on my base is all sticky. So like I was wiping I was wiping the gummy stuff off the back of my base neck for like the entire second set. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. It was like you know, it was like somebody put bubble gum on the back. I had a great I'm show. Trying to play. Uh, quite, quite, like, quite. Yeah. They probably they were like, he, "That guy's the bass player. Let's do this to him." Yeah. Yeah. Watch this. <laughs> We, yeah, we should have we should have made we should have made uh, we should have made Terry uh, so he wouldn't drop any sticks. <laughs> you know, we keep the drop sticks counter. Hey, everything, everything's good. Hey, hey, look, I got, I got somebody with me. Come here, come here. This is Tommy Packard. He's a guitar player for Best Mercedes. Say hi to Rod Bloom on the Brown Splits podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Tommy. We're, 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 we're over here talking Browns out in the parking lot of the beach land. Tommy was here for, uh, for Terry's show, Terry's Alethea show too. You know, awesome. we always hang out together. Like, That's you great. know, yeah. On random nights or whatever. Yeah, it was Terry's yeah. birthday. Had to be here. Yeah. Okay. It was Terry's birthday too. We'll say he was, we'll say he was 28 again. Yeah. <laughs> we all I don't remember 28. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. <laughs> then you lived a good 28. Yeah. I, well, yeah, it's just been too long ago. <laughs> I, I, I'm nearly 28 twice, so you know I don't remember it. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Trust me, trust me. So, uh, so Jeff, are you uh, are you drinking your usual tonight? <laughs> a lemonade in a tall glass. A lemonade. Alrighty. <laughs> Is that fresh squeezed or uh, or what? Right out, right squeezed right out of the kool-aid packet rod nice nice that's some of my favorite <laughs> yeah. so you uh you remember a lot of the influences that that shags was talking about obviously right. yeah a lot of stuff you you were brought up on right well yeah back in the back in the day yeah that's what it is i mean we're kind of getting back to like older times because sometimes when you sometimes you got to strip away all the extra stuff and like you know go back to the root of what you what what made it fun in the first place sure. and yeah. that's what we're trying that's what we're trying to do you know we're four guys that sound like four guys you know no synthesizers no backing tracks no craziness just yeah. you know straight up rock and roll yeah, I, I don't awesome. say this to just to just to say it, but Jeff's just my older brother, and he was the first one into music, and he, you know, he's the one the one that, you know, discovered the rock station first and brought the albums home first. So, you know, he's <laughs> oh, the one yeah. that that got me into rock and roll, really. You know, so um, and listened to a lot of that stuff growing up. So. Um, yeah cool. that's that's how it worked with us too tommy had older sisters with all the aerosmith records i had an older brother with like all sorts of records including like you know the early rush you know all the world's a stage and stuff like that and i just poached off of him yeah you know, yeah i just happened to be the one that took up the instrument you know right i think um toy i think toys toys in the attic was one of your first albums wasn't it Jeff? One of the first. Might have been, yeah. It was it was in that group. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Along yeah. with Rush and among the else. first. Yeah, along with a lot yeah. of Rush and all that stuff. So, so cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's cool. Yeah, that's you know places like Beachland Ballroom, 
um, that's that's what they're all about, right? I mean, yeah, pretty much. Play, they're keeping rock play, and roll alive here. Music. Yeah, yeah, and well, and like a lot of bands to the tour through Cleveland, you know, not you know Scorpions or anything, but like you know, a lot of smaller bands that tour through Cleveland. Beachland's a regular stop for them. Um, we were here. We were here opening for a band called Thunder Mother in early September that actually was opening for Scorpions on their arena tour through the U.S. They broke off for for a co- when they had a couple of days off. They broke off and came to Cleveland, so we opened for them here. You know, and they're from Sweden. That's familiar. Yeah, highly recommend you check them out. Thunder Mother. Okay, that's cool. So, so Shag, let's um, let me turn the uh, let me turn this over to you, and we want to hear about your Browns fandom. Okay, whatever you want to share. Okay. Um, you know, okay. I, I, you're you're from Cleveland, so you know. So oh, yeah. I assume you've been a fan your whole life, but you know, pretty much. Yeah. Memories, um, favorite players, whatever you want to share. Just kind of that the journey that you've been on as a Browns fan. Okay, I've been a I've been a Browns fan like like you say it's a genetic inheritance. Mm-hmm. I've been a Browns fan since the early 1970s. You know, the first quarterback I remember was Mike Phipps. Okay, my first favorite players were the Pruitts, Greg and Mike. Okay, mm-hmm. both running backs. You know, and guys like Tom Darden and Don Cockroft. You know, those were like great days. My brother was a uh, my brother was selling beer at the stadium during that famous uh, really cold game against the Raiders. You know, so we go we go way back, okay. And I'm not a I'm not an expert on on like the modern day stuff, the statistics, the fantasy football, or anything like that. But I've just been a follower of the team forever. And I'll tell you, it, it's the the game has changed a lot. It really has. But the experience of being down there, or being down there, and hearing the crowd roar, is uh, is incomparable. And that has not changed a bit. Um, you know, we, we follow every year, you, every year you hope for something, every year you go through it. And, you know, some years you take a beating, (laughs) a lot of years you take a beating, but you know, you always, I'm always there. I'm always there ready to show up next week. You know, whether it's, whether it's actually at the stadium or, you know, watching it or even I've even played, um, like rehearsals with my band with like, uh, with, with an earplug in. He listening to the, listening to the football game as I go, okay. I can see that. That's how that's how long that, that's how long that's how long I've been at it. Okay, I haven't done that in a few years, but back in you know back in the days, that's what we did back when Jet Nev Chandler was uh was announcing the was announcing the games. Mm-hmm. You remember him? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's yeah, like I say, the games changed a lot. You know, I I think I think turf has taken a good bit out of the game. I miss mud. Because you know, mud, mud, mud is, mud is a part of the, spo- the soul of football. Okay, when you play, when you play with little kid, when you see little kids, eight-year-old kids, play, you know, in pads playing football in the mud, you know they're all. It, it's always fun for them, and it's it's real. How should I say it? Um, there's a less chance. There's a lower chance of them getting injured. Mm-hmm. And I think right. you know, and you know, it goes up into high school too. You know, you, you see the high school players go out there, play a good game in the rain and the mud, and they always come off happy as hell. See, I miss that. Now, it's the, the turf thing started in the pros, but, like, it's bled down through college, and now it's down in high school, and now even sometimes the peewee football players play on turf. And it's made the game faster, yes, and probably more exciting for, like, a TV audience, but I think it's also made the game more dangerous for players. So, yeah, you know, yeah. that's, that's just a particular opinion I have of, of, uh, after watching football for 45, 50 years. Uh, you know, people might not agree because uh, it, it's not quite as much fun to watch a football game in the mud. But like, you know, that's part of what football was. Yeah. So you missed the days of Municipal Stadium when they were playing partially on the, the ball diamond. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that. I remember the so prints cool. of the infield over <laughs> over the half the field. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's something that that a lot of fan, fans, you know, the younger fans, they never experience because everybody's got separate, you know, stadiums now. Yeah, um, I don't think anybody uses a, has a stadium that where they play baseball and football both, and that's how every stadium used to be. Um, yep, you know, you can see the imprint of the infield that goes out to about the forty yard line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, be- the best thing was to make the opposing kickers kick off that because they hated that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's crazy to think about that now, but it was that's how football was for years and years and years. And now it's, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's been the way it is now for a long time, and people don't even know what you're talking about if you bring that up. It was, I, it was uh, yeah. a lot of fun at the end of the baseball season when they'd put sod down there, too. Oh yeah, you see him rip up. You see him rip up like a three foot chunk when they get tackled. <laughs> Come up with an under stuck to their helmet. Yeah, the big old chunk on. Yeah, that oh, was some man. of the great. That was some. That was some of the greatest, most fun, most fun football though. I'll well, tell you, the nineteen seventies, the early nineteen eighties. Man, you can't you you can't beat some of that excitement. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was great. So. So guys, let, let's talk about this um, this game in Atlanta. Uh, Browns drop uh, drop a winnable game to the Falcons, um, twenty three to twenty. Shags, I'll, I'll let you go first. What are what are some of your takeaways from this game? What what were you thinking right after this game? Well, the first thing that I the first thing that I thought is, you know what, this is a game that. Unlike in previous years, every game that we've played so far, they have still been in towards the end. Okay, they mm-hmm. never, they didn't lose control of the game in like at the, in the early second half like they used to do, but in, in like last year, or the year before. But unfortunately, they, Atlanta was not as good at a team, and they let that team hang around, and that team stole one on them. Yeah, that's true. You know. It's, uh, of course, I, I wasn't too fond of a couple of penalty flags that flew either. You know, the ineligible man downfield. Now, granted, I didn't see it. I was uh, driving up from Columbus when the game was on. But, you know, the whole, that, 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 that ineligible man downfield that forced the third and 23 where Brissett threw the pick, you know, that was yeah. made it just far enough to, for everything to be impossible at that point. Mm-hmm. You know? And I noticed that always when the Browns are trying to do something or trying to get back in a game, that's when the yellow laundry seems to fly. And it's weird. <laughs> you know, uh, penalties are committed every play of a football game. You know, every every play of a football game, someone is holding. Okay? <laughs> you could you could flag you could you could throw a flag literally on every play of a football game, but they choose those plays specifically, it seems like. I don't know. Maybe it's just conspiratorial thinking on my part, but I've just seen it too many times where, you know, the Browns might be getting back into the, into a game and then they, you know, get a, get, get yellow laundry syndrome. Yeah. I, I think the ineligible man downfield, I think that was legit from the replay that I saw. Okay. I mean, he was, he was a good, what, five yards down the field, Jeff. More. Yeah. I mean, he, he had, he had released and, and, gone out to to block and i think the play just developed slowly yeah. um yeah but it's it's, it's just, you know, it's just it, i mean yeah at that point in the game it's just you know you you can't have those kinds of things happen they, they just take you out of field goal range you know and then the next very next play um betonio gives up the the sack and that pushes you even further back so right. yeah so back to back plays i mean our our all pro left guard just you know for whatever reason Brain, fart, brain, brain dead. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. And, and, you know, whether it was his fault or not, I mean, he, he got, blo- you know, with the, with the uh, ineligible, but he got absolutely blown up on the next play uh, okay. you know, for the sack. So, and then, you know, like you said, Shags, now you're, you know, you're third and 23 and you're, you know, back in your own half of the field. And you, at that point, it really, you know, there's not a lot you can do, you know? So, right. I mean, I don't even blame. I don't. I, I'm not even mad at Brissett for, for throwing an interception on that because, no. like, you know, they practically had half the stadium security out there in coverage at that point. 
you know, right. how are right. you going to fit a, how are you going to fit a pass football in among, you know, like nine guys down, down in coverage? Yeah. It really limits your options, what you can do at that point. And right. I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you guys, but there were four or five guys around David Bell at that point. He had, right. yeah. he had like one, a 1% chance of catching that ball. Right. So yeah, pretty I'm much yeah. there had to be somebody who was open a little bit more than him. So it wasn't the greatest decision, but you can't put it. I'm not putting the game on Jacoby Brissett at that point. For yeah. That throw. You know um, what, though? But the, my takeaway from this game overall is that I'm I'm really glad, like Shag said, that we were still in the game at the end and had a chance at the end on that last drive because typically – you know, we, we were down 10 points in the first quarter. And typically, this mm-hmm. team does not play well from behind. Um, it's right. really just not built to play from behind. You know, so when you put yourself in that kind of hole early on, it's almost like, geez, you know, how much chance do we have? You know, but they did fight their way back into the game and, and there was a chance later. Uh, it just didn't work out. I, I, I think it was really all set up by what happened in the first quarter. Yeah, I mean they before the okay. uh, before the the penalty and the sack. I think they were they were in line for probably what a, um, a 60, 63 yard field goal attempt. Yeah, no, yeah, it was in that range. That, where, yeah, where you think, they, wow, if they're you know even if we tried it here, you know you know you have at least a fair shot of tying the game, right? You know, with our kicker. So right. um, I'm thinking, well, you know, hey. Yeah, I would play for the. I'm not that you're playing for the tie, but I would have been satisfied with the field goal attempt there. But then they get driven back, and you're like, man, come on. You know, I just, I at least wanted to see a field goal attempt there. And if they miss it, so be it. You know? Um, Yeah. Because again, I'm not, I'm not putting it all on a kicker either when he's kicking one from 60 plus. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you kind of, I mean, I mean, Cade York is pretty damn good from distance, but you know, most people don't make more than one out of three of those when you get over over and above fifty yards. So, yeah, yeah. I we know he's capable of hitting one from sixty or sixty-five, but but you can't expect him to make all those. So um, right, but yeah, you, you'd love to give him the chance. Um, I mean the. Yeah, I mean, it, it was another frustrating game. I mean, I don't know how you guys felt, you know, watching this game compared to watching the, you know, the Jets game. The Jets game was probably more frustrating because we, the Browns actually had that game won and, and just right. gave it up in the last two minutes. But this game really wasn't that much that much different overall. The Browns still give up some, you know, some late big plays and, and some, and you know, and, and some penalties and, and – uh, aren't able to to move the ball well enough at the end and and it ends in an inter, in in a uh, in a percent interception. I mean it just kind of yeah. felt eerily similar to the Jets game, just just not quite as bad. <laughs> yeah, well, you need a defense not to collapse in the in the back end of the fourth quarter. I know and, they were down they did. were down a couple major guys but still you can't you especially the secondary you cannot just like fall apart like they did. Um the Browns were outrushed uh 202 yards to 177. Yeah. And that's that's, that's, that's well, unacceptable. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it just is. You know? I mean, they give up 202 <laughs> rushing yards. Um, yeah, didn't they run like ten to four, ten or twelve rushing plays in a row and didn't get and didn't get stopped? That, that, the Falcons. Yeah, that one scoring drive. Yeah, I think they rushed the ball every time, right? Right, Jeff. I believe every every play on that particular drive of the third quarter. Um, yeah, yeah. You know what, Rod? Um, Marcus Mariota completed seven passes. Yeah, seven of nineteen. Seven oh. of nineteen. He completed just under thirty-seven percent. For 139 oh. yards one, with one interception, his quarterback rating was 48.5. Okay, yeah. so I don't think you can really say much about how our back seven played. Our back seven played pretty well in that game. The yeah. problem was we couldn't yeah. stop the run. Okay, and and Atlanta knew that, and and that's what they did too. Yeah, so they they yeah. they they just played some smash mouth football, and and our our 
second and third string guys who were out there playing just just got mauled. You know, so, you know, I, I didn't watch the game live um, because of what was going on and everything. So um, I didn't actually watch it until Tuesday. And, okay. and I, I took my time and because, and, you know, obviously knew the outcome and, and had heard a bunch of the, you know, back moaning and everything else going on. So um, I took my time and watched it and kind of like, you know, absorbed what really happened during that game. Um, I mean, it's, it's every bit as frustrating as what happened with the Jets, but those two games could not be any more different. I mean, the Jets game, the Browns played the type of game they wanted to play. They were out in front. They had the game one, and the, and the secondary and the defense collapsed at the end of the game. This game, really, the Browns were never in it from the first quarter on. I, I don't think they really had a shot at winning this game after the uh, interception, or excuse me, after the fumble uh, by number yeah. 35. Okay. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and, and, you know, last week I, I kind of went off about, you know, hey, I, I, I owe the guy an apology. Um, you know, he played great, uh, you know, the prior week um, against the Steelers. You know, maybe we do have our number one tight end. OK. And and I think he pretty much single handedly put us in, in a position where we're now down 10 to nothing and we have to play from behind. And, and yeah. that is just not how this team is built. OK, um, True. so so looking at the the overall statistics, um, you know, the, the game stats, the Browns were, were way out in front time of possession, way out in front first downs, total yards. Um, what, what, what really jumps right. out, though, what really jumps out, though, OK, is turnovers and penalties. OK, always two two turnovers versus their one. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and seven penalties versus their one, seven isn't even a lot of penalties, but they just came like Shag said at the worst possible time. And and that, that made it so that, you know, the, the game plan that we have in place with our, our stout running game and, and our, our ball control offense and our, and our, our, you know, our backup quarterback who's really good at taking care of the ball and managing the game. Okay. Um, that <laughs> took us out of that, you know, and the, and, yeah. and now the game plan changes and, you know, this team has to be clean and it just wasn't clean in Atlanta. And Jeff, I'm going to go back here because you know what? I got to the point, you know, I used to complain about penalties on every show. Okay, right. I'll just yeah. say it, you know, I complain yeah. every show. Okay, yeah. and and I got to a point where I'm like, okay, you know, um, sometimes teams, by playing well, earn the right, um, you know, to get uh, better calls. Um, sure. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, um, teams just need to take the responsibility. And I, I'm going to say this right now that, for the Browns to be called for seven penalties and the Falcons to only be called for one penalty in an entire game yeah. as the home team, something's wrong there. Okay. I don't care who yeah. you are. There should be more than one penalty called through the entire game because that's what like I say. I said, say, yeah, there's a penalty on every play They you can't tell me their guys never only committed one mistake that entire game. If the pen, if there's that much of a variance in penalties, um, I feel like something's a little bit off. You know, maybe it's cost the Browns a game. Yeah, no, but it is glaring for sure. It is. It, um, it, you know, I, th- I think the Falcons probably weren't doing a lot that you know would would lead to getting penalized when you're, you know, when you're basically just running the ball every play. Um, you know, it's pretty hard to get whistled on a running play. Um, calls, yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes you, yeah, you, you sometimes you get you get places where you know the wide receivers hold, right? You know, especially yeah, when yeah, especially yeah. when a running back breaks through that front line, you right. know, and he's you know, out in space in seven yards. Yeah, the the wide receivers they're taught, you know, sometimes to hold your guy up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know they, they really didn't. They really didn't. They really didn't run the ball that effectively, though. They just ran it a lot. You know, I mean, in terms well, of, of the, the yards per carry and, and you know. They, they averaged 5.8 yards per carry, Jeff. 
Oof. Browns averaged five point one. But it it seemed like it was you know I mean that well look, listen the Browns it took a long time for the Browns to get the running game going. There was an awful lot of Nick Chubb for one yard. And then, you know, he, he rips off 15 or 20 yards every now and then, and it, it gets his average up, you know, but um, I mean, the Falcons, the, the Falcons game. were like, yeah. you know, they were there just, just plodding along, you know, and, and it, they weren't really getting into our secondary much with the running game, you know? So I, I don't know. I, I it, it is very strange to only have one penalty. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, agree. I honestly, I think I think we did it to ourselves in this game. You know, the 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 the, the fumble and just a couple of other plays that you know, if they're cleaned up, we probably win this game. Well, and, and like I mentioned to you, Jeff, when we talked after after we both watched the game with the Browns getting down there to what the one or the four on, I think their first drive or um, yeah, you know, yeah. first quarter and coming away with no points. Um, yep. Yeah. You know, it, that was, that to, was a crusher right there. Yeah. I mean, it, yep. it's hard to argue with going for it, you know, here and there, but man, if you take, if you take three there, you know, that, yeah. that puts you in a tie. And then when the Browns had the, the first and goal at the one, I'm going to stick up for Stefanski and, and his, Stefanski's analytics and and his his aggressiveness, I'm going to stick up for, you know, 99 times out of 100. But this offense just isn't in a place where we can afford to pass up on points. And and yeah. he's got to start Absolutely. taking those field goals. Yeah, I mean, I I was disappointed when they couldn't punch it in from the one. On, on that, uh, you know, and they they took the three there, but I'm thinking, okay, if they kick the three, if they take the three on that first drive and they score the touchdown on on the other one, you know, that's seven points, you know, and, and right. they have a win even with all the other stuff. You know, the but the the, the first the the first drive I think was was a little tough because they were, I think they were at like the four yard line or something. They weren't really like at the goal line, so they couldn't just run power. Um, yeah, and when, yeah. you know, when you get down in those positions, there's only, there's only so many plays you can squeeze into that much real estate. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really have an issue with, you know, him not calling a running play or, or, or because again, you know, we weren't really doing well getting, getting positive yards in the running game at that point. Um, but you know, I would have taken the field goal there. Um, you know, later in the game, um, I don't, I don't know what happened with our, our passing attack, but the wheels just kind of seemed to come off later in the game. Um, very frustrating that, that we couldn't get more points on the board for an offense that's been averaging 28 or 30 points a game. Um, yeah, yeah. If we just do that again, you know, we're good. We're the defense played well enough to keep us in the game. Um, we had, you know, we just had some, some bonehead things that just short circuited drives. And that's how I really felt. This was a week where the Browns were missing some key guys on defense. They needed the offense to kind of carry them in this game. And, you know, and step up, and and they weren't able to do it. You know, I mean, they they played okay, but yeah, they they weren't able to get the extra points that they needed to to right. put the game away. So yeah. I mean, that's a that's really what it comes down to. So uh, yeah. um, I mentioned this on uh, I think we've done a little bit of this maybe on the last podcast after three games, but um, after four games, guys, I, I have some projections for where guys are headed for their pace. Um, for what they would end up with for the season. So um, Nick Chubb, okay. um, Nick Chubb um, is on a pace for 344 carries and 1,950 yards. Wow. Okay, that's a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> what What's interesting, which what you guys may not notice, is that Kareem Hunt um, is on a pace for 196 carries and 850 yards. So he's He's not that far off of a thousand yard pace right now. And he really right. hasn't had many carries. Mm-hmm. They need to use him more. And I think they will. 
I, I think yeah. I think he'll get a little. He's gonna. There are going to be games where he's going to get more of the load. It, yeah. It's just bound to happen. Um, yeah, and, I mean this game against this game against Los and the Los Angeles Chargers. I'll never get used to saying that. I it's a prime, it's a prime opportunity. For the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a prime opportunity for for Hunt for Hunt to eat, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't yeah. think that defense is able to handle the explosive running style that Hunt has. See, Hunt runs with bad right. intent. And, <laughs> exactly. You know. Yeah. That's that's one of the things I love about it. It's like that kid at uh, at Ohio State, Mian Williams. You when when they hand him the ball, you know he's hitting somebody. Okay. Yeah. He, he wouldn't be happy running untouched to the end zone. He wants to hit somebody. That's right. what that's what Kareem Hunt is when he's in stride. And yeah. that's yeah. the kind of that's the kind of running back you need against teams that might be a little bit softer on the front line, like uh, like San Diego is. Yeah, and if Hunt can score five touchdowns this this Sunday, I'll be thrilled. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, but just 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 to just to wear and tear on a defense of, of having to face a guy like that play after play, you know, opens up so many other things. Yep. So use it. it. You got yeah. him. You know? And that's why those those Nick Chubb carries for a yard or two happen early in the game. Because right. it factors in eventually. And that's why we see the big runs. Um I don't know about you guys, but just Nick Chubb looks he he just looks a little different this year. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from the way the guy has ever played before. He just looks like he's on a different level this year. Hmm. He just does. okay. Some of the stuff he's doing, um, some of his moves, um, the way he's carrying guys, the way he's making these these extra cuts. Um, he just he just seems like he's on a different level this year. Um, yeah. So, um, Jeff, here's here's one for you. Uh, David Njoku is on a pace for 77 catches and 850 yards at this point. Okay. Um, yeah. J- Jacoby Brissett, um, of course, he's not going to play the whole season. But if if he were to play the whole season at his current pace, um, about 3,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, nine picks. Okay. I mean, that's acceptable. Yeah. yeah. Personally, I'm all for I'm all for the guy as long as we as long as he's the he's the guy the guy handling the ball. I'm behind him. You yeah, know, there, there's a lot to like about Jacoby Reset. There really is. There really is. Um, yeah. Um, the master yeah, of fourth know. and one. What's that, Jeff? Yeah. The master of fourth and one. I, I haven't seen the stat lately, but I, I mean, he's. Yeah. I think he's ten for ten now. And I, I think he was like 29 of 30 before the season or something like that. <laughs> so he's, yeah, it's incredible. Um, just you know, incredible. And he's yeah. starting to forge that. He's starting to forge that bond with Amari Cooper too, which is, which could be very, very useful. See, yeah. I don't, yeah. we, I don't know what we're going to get when it comes to game 12, if we're going to get Watson, like what Watson was or what kind of dude we're going to even see. So right. like all I can hope all I can hope for is that Brissett and Cooper forge that relationship better and better and better because you have that overhead threat, it kind of opens up stuff like for the run game. Because you have to watch because the defense has to watch its back. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what really wasn't there in this game, you know, this game against the Falcons. We just didn't have anything, you know, I mean, other than one play to I think to DPJ, right? There wasn't anything yeah. that, that worked, you know. No, I think yeah, DPJ I mean, had four or five catches, and Njoku had five. Amari um, Cooper only had one. Um, he was he was shut down by by their corner. Yeah. Um, you know, um, what can yeah. you say? You have to get you have to you have to give their guy credit on that one. Yeah. Um, he's the, he's the first guy this season who's been able to come close to covering Amari Cooper. Just the way it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know. So. Um, that's you know that, that that's what's going to happen. Um, uh, you know that that's why you need other guys to step up. Whether it's yeah, DPJ you need more than one threat receiver. Yeah, yeah. Um, Our, one of the Browns' problem is they've always had they've always like gotten one guy who is like, oh yeah, he's the deep threat receiver, and everybody knows it. 
So right. of course he's going to be covered, and the safety's going to going to peel over to his side and everything like that, and and his uh, his effect is you know minimized. Mm-hmm. You know that's yeah. what happened with uh, what it called OBJ. Every, everybody knew that if OBJ was running out running out running far out there, you know that hey he's going to somebody's going to be looking for him. So they peel his safety over to that side, have the or corner the cover him, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Everybody knew it. Yeah, right. So if you have more than one guy like that, then you have uh, then you have something where they can't do they can't like you know blanket one blanket one receiver because they have to watch out for the other one. Yeah, yeah, you know? So guys, the the Browns are, are uh, they're two and two, like almost half the league. Um, there are thir- <laughs> thirteen teams are two and two guys. Yeah, um, right. out, of, out of thirty-two. I mean, it, it's not far off from being half the league. Um, it's, it seems like everybody's in this thing at this point. It seems like almost every team's going through the same kind of stuff. Um, mm. You know, everybody is, is uh, you know, uh, sub-expectations at this point. Unless it's you're like, an Eagles right. fan. What's that? Unless you're an Eagles fan. Eagles, yeah. Everybody yeah, Eagles else in the well. league feels like their team left wins on the field. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I got to be honest, I... I almost feel sorry. I almost feel silly looking forward to a game and trying to analyze it because, like, well, yeah, mm. this one's probably going to be a crapshoot too. Okay, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So, so Browns are playing the Chargers. Uh, Chargers just happen to be two and two. Um, you know, and and they're they're another one of these teams you looked at uh, prior to the season. You're like, oh my gosh, look at this roster. These guys are stacked. I mean, who's who's going to beat these guys? But they're in a division that's just going to beat the hell out of each other. Um, you know, with you know, with the, with the Chiefs and, and uh, um, I guess particularly the Chiefs at this point, but um, the Raiders haven't done anything. But um, looking at the uh, looking at the Chargers game so far, um, they beat they beat the Raiders twenty four nineteen. Um, lost to the Chiefs 27-24, um, pretty respectable there. Um, and, and I don't have down whether these are home or away games. Um, and then just for the heck of it, they get blown out by the Jaguars 38-10. And and then they beat the Texans um, Texans 34-24. So, um, so, yeah, so they're, they're averaging, you know, they're averaging right in that area too, Jeff. Um, you know, 20... 23 20, points a game. Yeah, 20, I was going to say average. 20 to 23, something. Yeah, 20, about 23 a game, right? So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and um, yeah. And, and this is a team that, that I'm sure thought they had Super Bowl aspirations. Um, you know, maybe they still do. I don't know. They, they have a lot of talent on this team. Yeah. Okay, they, they have the number one passing offense. Um, I saw number one passing offense. I assume that's in the league, not in the AFC. Um, they have right. just, they have Justin Herbert who who is let's just say he's pretty darn good even though he's playing with some uh, I don't know, I don't know if he has broken ribs or bruised ribs or whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately for Saint for uh, I almost said San Diego for for LA um, <laughs> it should be San I Diego. I want to call him San Diego guys. Um, it should be San Diego. It should be. <laughs> unfortunately for the Chargers, uh, um, fortunately for the Browns, Joey Bosa just went on IR. Um, they still have Khalil Mack, uh, but okay, these guys haven't been sacking the quarterback that much. Um, no. Their their defense hasn't been doing much, and, right. and their defense has a lot of. Good guys, uh, a lot of top draft picks. I, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I haven't seen these guys play yet this year, so so I can't I can't say a lot. But when when I look at their roster, I'm like, man, this, this game should scare the hell out of us. And when I when I look at what they've done so far this season, I'm thinking, well, there's no reason the Browns can't win this game compared to any other game. Yeah, so I think we still. That's kind of what I think about it is that, you know, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're a fairly decent team, but they're not, uh, they're not a world beating team. You know, right. it, it might be a question of, you know, don't let them hang around like you let the Falcons hang around, you know, get on them early, get to get to Herbert and push them back 15, 20, 16, 20 points, whatever the hell you can by halftime and don't let them crawl back out of the hole. 
you know, it's, it, it is eminently possible to do that to the Chargers. It's just yeah. a question, will you do it or not? Yeah. What do you see, Jeff? Well, I think our fan base is still smarting from that uh, 47-42 barn burner last October where Oof. the Chargers went for it on fourth and 20 practically every drive. Um, yeah. and our defense couldn't stop them. Um, so yeah, you, you tend to, you tend to have a little bit of hangover like that. You know, you, you think, well, they beat us that badly last year where you need to really be scared of, you know, of what they can do offensively this year, but the numbers don't bear that out. You know, you, you look at oh, the statistics and we, we have a, a, we have, we beat them in every statistical category this year, um, with our backup quarterback. So I love Justin Herbert. You know that, um, He'd be my yeah. number one pick if I'm if I'm starting a team today, um, right. right? But but they're just not playing like they did last year. So I think you no, know, just like you said, every team in this league is going to win games they're not supposed to, and they're going to lose games that they're they're supposed to win. And you know this is one of those weeks where the matchup isn't as scary as it should be. Yeah, I agree with you. Totally agree. I mean. You know, I, I'm just I'm just peeking back because um, last week I wrote down, you know, the how the uh, how the schedule went because beginning of the season we're we're looking at the first four games we're like okay these these are all winnable games okay hopefully the Browns start out four and zero worst case three and one you know well here we are two and two okay and the, and then we're looking Chargers Patriots Ravens Bengals Dolphins Bills and we're like these are all very difficult games yeah. But then you get to the actual games and you're like, well, Chargers, eh, you know, they haven't been kicking anybody's butt too bad. And, and the Patriots have looked pretty crappy. And the Ravens Patriots are, don't have a quarterback. Yeah, Ravens are two and two. And the Bengals have, have looked pretty awful sometimes. Right. Um, Dolphins and Bills, you know, we'll see what they look like when we get there. Right. Um, they still look pretty good right now. Yeah, it's like like I've said a bunch of times, the, the schedule changes as you go week to week. You can't, exactly. Right. You can't look at it at the beginning of the year and really figure what, you, what your tough games are going to be. You got it. Yeah. And injuries are always a major factor as the season goes on. Very true. Who yeah, goes and, down uh, when? Yeah, and, and that's a great segue because uh, I, I was uh, going to mention uh, Jerome Ford um, went on IR, so he's he's out. Um, Brown's a little bit shorter on um, at uh, running back, even though they really haven't gone much past uh, Chubb and Hunt yet to this point. Uh, yeah. I don't know how many carries um, Ernest Johnson has, but I would guess it's not more than a handful at this point. Yeah, season. I think we're going to be seeing Ernest returning some kicks. Yeah, yeah I, I would think so. I would think so. Um, so uh, uh, Ford's on IR. Um, the Browns signed Farrell Brown, um, yeah. tight end back. Um, probably a good move. Um, I know that uh, I know that Harrison Bryant is a little dinged up. I don't. I don't know if he's. Uh, I think he was held out of practice. I, I assume he'll be okay to play, but um, that would actually give the Browns three tight ends, uh, which would be nice. Um, um, they also signed uh, Sam Kamara, defensive end, to the practice squad. Um, Curtis Weaver's been released from the practice squad, Jeff, so that, that may or may not end his uh, his time with the Browns. Um, <laughs> kind of an interesting um, over before it started tenure there. Yeah, well, the the Browns gave him they gave him every shot they could, I, I believe. Um, you right. know, it kind of seemed like he had. He, he almost had a shot to, to make the 53 this time, but I, you know, I, I don't know if he even would have played, even if he had made the 53 at this, mm. this season. So, uh, well, if he, if he couldn't show anything this week when we're playing who we played on the D line this week, um, man, tough sled. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, um, well, Browns, thankfully, it's a fairly short injury list so far. Right. You know, since it's, 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 yeah. 25% of the season is gone, you know, usually we're used to seeing like three or four guys already already dinged up. Yeah, it seems like um, most guys were kind of held out um, so far this mm -hmm. week. Yeah. Um, it seems like they're pretty optimistic about everybody. 
um, with the exception of uh, Jadavian Clowney. I don't know. Um, he's still up in the air. I, I, just from the way they're talking, the way he's talking, I'd kind of be surprised if he plays, but just getting Miles back, because it sounds like Miles is going to be back. Um, yeah. That, that's a huge boost. Um, yeah. And, and hopefully Clowney's <laughs> back, you know, the next week. Um, it, it's it's a huge deal whether or not you have those guys on the field, you know. Sure. Um, throw, throw their stats yeah, if out. You are, if you want to get if you want to get to Herbert, man, you got to have Garrett on the field. Even if he's not the one doing it, you know, yeah. he's going to draw attention away to give it an opportunity. Yeah, hundred percent, right. absolutely. So, um, so yeah, let's uh, let's hope let's hope everybody else plays. I mean, I. I uh, I think we'd be pretty darn lucky if we see Kleine out there. But, um, but yeah, if everybody else is available, um, you know, aside from the guys on IR, um, I, I think the Browns are in pretty good shape. Uh, yeah. Health-wise, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, um, do you guys remember in, in that Charger game, Jeff, who was the wide receiver that made that that catch against the Browns? And the guy who pushed off, was it Keenan Allen or was it Mike Williams? I think it was Mike Williams, but I okay. I wouldn't yeah. swear to that. Okay, I think you're probably right. Um, Keenan Allen is uh, I think questionable for this game. Hmm. Um, it sounds like most of their other guys are who are who haven't been practicing and that are probably going to play. Um, Keenan mm-hmm. Allen may or may not. Well, that's why you got to get. That's why you got to get to Herbert and disrupt them because you know our secondary is what it is. <laughs> And and you don't want to be. You don't want him to be. You don't want Herbert to be able to stand back there in the pocket for three seconds and decide where to pick you apart. Right. You know. It doesn't matter who's playing cornerback if you give him a bunch of time. Right, and and yeah. we need to do more of, of what we did against Marcus Mariota, and that's you know mix up the pressure. I think Joe Woods really did a good job of of sending pressure from different places at the right times. Um, to help the secondary out and, and all in all the, the, the secondary played really well. So I, I, I don't, I don't see where, you know, we can't dial up some pressure on Justin Herbert um, and, and really match up well. Yeah. Yeah. But, Man. Jeff, this, it, this it's, is, it's a month. Yeah, this this is know, going back to the Falcons game, but in the, in the, uh, the fourth quarter when the Browns defense just kind of just kind of didn't show up. Um, did you feel like, like it was um, some of the play calling, some of the defenses, or did you feel like the Browns were just outmanned at that point because of the depth? In, in the Falcons game? Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I, I thought, you know, secondary wise, you know, that the, that the, the play was pretty damn good um yeah i'm talking about six or seven yeah they got they got run over um you know no question um but in terms of taking their receivers out of the game um they they were damn effective and and you could see that that joe woods was really really trying to scheme pressure you know Mm -hmm. where where it was coming from different places um I mean, you have to remember that that Anthony Walker's out and Jacob Phillips is now carrying a lot more responsibility. And, you know, some of the guys yeah. who really diagnosed the X's and O's um, were, were kind of getting on Jacob Phillips for, you know, getting caught up in the wrong position sometimes. But but ultimately, I mean, he's, he's still a young player. You know, so you've got you've got uh, Grant Delpit, who's had his struggles. Now Jacob Phillips is having his struggles, okay, and and we've really got not a lot going on in the middle of our defensive line, when, particularly when Miles and Clowney are out. Um, so that's you know up yeah. the middle, we're we're really we're really pretty thin. Um, yeah, I agree. We're we're doing a good job on the outside, and 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 that's where Justin Herbert lives. Okay, so yeah. um, I, I think the you know what happened in the Falcons game is is probably doesn't have a lot to do with what we're going to face against the chargers. I, I think the chargers are going to be throwing the ball. Um, they're, they're not a real super yeah, strong run team. Um, so, 
I like that matchup. Particularly, yeah. like like you said, if Miles can get some pressure. I got to be yeah. honest. I was shocked when I when I saw that Jacob Phillips was one out there. Um, you know, with the green dot. Yeah. Well, it kind of surprised just because he wasn't even on the field before that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he played no sporadically, but yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it's no offense to him, but I I would um, you know, and I'm not saying that's a mistake, you know, because. I don't know these guys, you know, I don't know their intelligence level or, you know, or what they do in practice or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just seemed to me that, that you would want one of your more experienced guys to do it. I don't know who that yeah. is. You know, I don't yeah. know if it's John Johnson or, or somebody else, well, but he did it a little bit last year and the results were kind of mixed. Well, so maybe, you know, maybe they're trying to train him for the future. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like kind of like we said a couple of weeks ago about Grant Delpit. You know, you're just you're going to live and die with those young players until they get enough experience, um, you know, that they don't get caught out of position. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. I guess so. Um, it's I mean, for how for how much talent there is on the defense, it's still, um, you know, sometimes hard to remember how young most of the guys are. Yeah. Just how it is. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, uh Guys, I, I think it's time to uh, talk about some predictions. Oh, our favorite part of the show. Game. Yes. Okay. Let's first let's go back to last week. Final score of the game was um, twenty-three twenty. Let's see. That was the under. Um, twenty-three twenty was the under. Um, what was the over under? It was forty nine and a half. Forty nine and a half. Okay. Yeah. So I I'm out of it. Period. Okay. Um, <laughs> forty nine and a half. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Brian. Brian had. Brian had twenty three seventeen. Yeah. So around. it'll come I, as you, a surprise. Twenty seven twenty. It'll I mean, come as a surprise to no one that that our guest was closest right. for the fourth I week in a row. Gonna give, I think we have to say Brian won. You were <laughs> within three. Brian was within seven, but Brian was closer, and Brian had the under. <laughs> so, so Brian, if you're listening, you win. Um, <laughs> despite me telling you more or less trying to say, um, predict that you would win, and and. Uh, that prediction scaring you into the fact that there was no way you could win. You still right. Won. Yeah. yeah, still won. <laughs> so, so Shags, you see what you're what you have here is um, the guest has predicted correctly, uh, or or had the best prediction in the first four games. So okay. We're going to give you the first shot, and there's absolutely no pressure here because um, Jeff and I are. Apparently that bad at predicting Brown scores. So, uh, so that's okay. I'm bad at it too. <laughs> so if we, so so yeah, if we if Jeff or I win this, um, it, it's uh, it's going to be a miracle. But um, yeah, right. it, and it's all for bragging rights, anyways. But um, yeah, um, right. I have this at um, over under at forty seven point five, and the Chargers are a three and a half point favorite. In Cleveland, mm. so um, probably shouldn't shouldn't be a surprise there. I guess. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say if you take the over, you're gonna be doing pretty well because I'm look I'd be looking at about a 31-23, 31-24 Browns win. <laughs> okay, so you're going twenty-four, you still there? twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-four, twenty-three. 30, 30. Uh, call it 24. 31, 31 24. 24. So you got him scoring yeah. 55 points. So that's yeah. over. I got to tell you, I, I kind of like that score. I'm not going to say the same score, but um, but yeah, that that sounds pretty good. I mean, I don't see I don't see this as a as a six three uh, defensive struggle in the mud. You know what I mean? <laughs> I kind of be surprised if yeah yeah I. I'll, <laughs> I'm gonna put it out there right now. I'm I will be taking the over in this game. So so Jeff, what do you have? All right. Well, 
I'm going to shock some people here. Uh, I'm thinking that, that um, Justin Herbert's going to have a hard time throwing the ball against us. And I don't think they're going to run the ball particularly effectively. I think we're going to run the ball really effectively against their defense. And this is going to be a time of possession game. We're going to keep Justin Herbert off the field, which has to be our game plan. So uh, we've, we've been going win-loss, win-loss so far. This has got to be a win for the Browns. This is going to be one of those games where we're not supposed to win, but we will. And I'm going to go with 24-17 Browns and the under. Okay. Wait, you said the under? Yep. <laughs> Jeff never takes the under, Shags. <laughs> he never takes the under. All right. Hey, sometimes you got to switch tactics real quick, you know? That's right. right. When you're yeah. when you're on my kind of streak, you got to do everything possible. All right. Well, I'm not going to go far from either one of you guys. I'm going to kind of go somewhere in, in the middle. And I'm because I'm, I'm kind of with both of you guys, but um I think I think the Browns are going to score, but I think I think Herbert's going to I think he's going to be able to score some too. So I, I have the Browns winning um, twenty seven to twenty one, which puts them puts them just over. So All right. um, I'm taking the over. Shag's got the over. Jeff's got yep. the under. Hear that, Jeremy? Jeff's got the under. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, hey, Shaggy. Uh, it's been great it's talking a, to you. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Um, everybody can give you guys a follow, and um, be sure to catch your show on on the twenty eighth. You want to you want to give that location again? Okay, it's Bascule Brewery at Route six eleven and eight in, in the rain. Um, it's Friday, October 28th, 8 p.m. It's just going to be us. We're going to run a couple hour sets, you know. But the big thing is there's going to be Paranorm Ale there that Chris makes. And it's going to be really good. And we're going to finish it all off, hopefully. Awesome. It's important to have goals. Yeah. Yep. It has drinking beer. Drinking beer is a major part of the Bessemer Saints work ethic. <laughs> That's great. Um, <laughs> Jeff, it's, it's any, nice to have a brewer as a friend. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, any closing thoughts tonight? No, let's just go get a win this time and not not make everybody hold their breath. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, this has been the Works Browns Blitz. This has been the Browns Blitz. We will catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>